Welcome to the Rap Chats. I'm Phil Samba. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I'll be your host. I work for The Love Tank, a nonprofit organization promoting the health and well-being of typically underserved communities. And I'm the project coordinator of The Rap, Lessons of Queer Resistance and Resilience from Pandemics. So this is a project uh, between The Love Tank uh, and the University of Edinburgh, asking about what strategies of care and resilience and queer communities were employing to resist ongoing, emerging and exacerbated health inequalities with a particular focus on resilience during pandemics. The Rap Chats are a short series of podcasts where I'm going to be interviewing people from queer projects and organizations that are involved in the rap. Um, this week, I'll be joined by guest uh, Rudy Harris. Now, Rudy is the co-founder of TransAid Comrie, right? I did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he helped set up the organization um, after the Conservative government scrapped the promised uh, Gender Recognition Act reform in June 2020 and has been like extremely vital to the organization ever since. And his pronouns are he, him. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is actually the first podcast I'm appearing on. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay, well, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I, I get to be like I get to be the first person to welcome you into the world of podcasts and stuff I'm surprised you haven't done more yeah I well to, yeah I mean I've I've really wanted to but um it's not often me who deals with these things Shash uh, my friend uh from Transit Camry is much more um she's a very good speaker so she usually gets these gigs but she's away this week so I get to I get to have a go so it's really fun okay well I'm, I'm sure you're really great cool so. Um, first question. Um, I feel like I'm going to trip up every time, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is TransAid Comrie? Comrie, excellent. Um, it's so a lot of people make the mistake that we're a charity, and we are always like, no, we are very much not a charity. All due respect to charities, but that's not us. Um, we are a mutual aid group, which is actually a lot smaller than people think. We only have about six or seven you know, volunteers, none of us are staff. Um, we are focused on supporting trans people, intersex people and non-binary people um, in Wales, in any way we can. Uh, usually that means our biggest thing is kind of giving out grants like directly to trans people in poverty, um, which is one of the reasons why we can't be a charity because charities don't tend to do that kind of thing. Um so that's kind of the biggest thing we do. We also do stuff like uh, resources for people going through surgery. So like really practical stuff like pillows and bandages and everything you might need. Um, in Cardiff, in the local area in Cardiff, we run like a food share scheme. So like allies make, if they make some extra food, they can like give it then to people who are struggling to afford food. There's, there's a lot of things. Like a, a lot, each of us has like different sort of little pet projects that we're interested in and kind of run in. Um, we're also, we also work with an organization called Trans Tech Tent, which like fix tech for trans people for free as well. Cause like everyone has a smashed phone screen and we had some, <laughs> people who are really interested in like fixing phones and computers who are like you know the the, the stereotypical trans femme you know computer whizzes um so they kind of came on board and they've been brilliant is we do a lot of stuff we basically say like if you're trans intersex non-binary in wales and you have some kind of issue just come to us and if we can't help you we kind of usually know someone who can um so yeah that's kind of who we are we 
we're not like I said we're not really charities we're not really a monolith as such we're kind of just a, a group of individuals kind of working together to try and um you know create resources and support for the people around us uh, in the community I touched upon it a little bit with um, your introduction but like um kind of what was like the inspiration to start the organization like um yeah you did basically um we'd all been friends for a while we there was like not really that much in Cardiff younger trans people for ages and so when I moved back to, to Cardiff I set up like a meetup group which is very like informal so a lot of us who are interested in activism like got to know each other very well and so when you know the pandemic was like first I, I say first amping up but like when it was really really bad in June 2020 um, we basically started out collecting money from like middle class allies uh, who supported us through other stuff we'd done as individuals and uh, we collected the money on paypal and then we kind of started giving it out very like informally um and it was it to be honest it was in direct response to the pandemic because so many trans people locally were either working in retail or performance or you know gig economy stuff and yeah. then the pandemic happened and it was like everything was just gone so it was just nothing and this was I think this was even before like furlough or anything like that there was basically nothing and so we were seeing people around us like nearly losing their homes you know not being able to eat so that's kind of why we started it was in direct response to the pandemic um but the thing that kind of kicked us off as an organization as, as a group was um like you said the GRA reform um, we we as individuals as, as individual activists had really supported people and pushed people to like take part in the consultation for gender recognition act reform and we'd put a lot of time and energy into it and try to like make the system better um through that you know re- we i can't stress enough how hard we worked in cardiff to get people to fill out that form and then you know we see it just dropped unceremoniously and, and it wasn't even announced it was like leaked and we were just so I think it was that moment that we all kind of realised that we we can't wait for the authorities to do something. Like, we have to just make it happen. And so that's kind of what we did. We kind of just said, you know, we're going to start divesting from the government, from the state, because we really just, they can do whatever they want to us. And it seems at the moment they're not particularly interested in helping, so we're going to help each other, basically. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how how we were... It was a trial by fire, <laughs> I would say for sure. <laughs> I think um something I'm I'm, I'm recognizing in um uh, working on this project is that a lot of inspiration behind why um a lot of queer communities are coming together to um help each other is because of um kind of a lack of support from the government in like many different ways. If it's not just uh, financial, but just even sometimes a lack of understanding, lack of understanding what the needs of some queer people are. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think the one of the biggest things for us was um, we'd really, really, really pushed for people to say in the, you know, in the in the in the consultation that we wanted pe- non-binary people to be recognised because non-binary people are st- still don't have legal recognition at all, you know. And we often joke that, you know, if you're not binary, the law doesn't apply to you because it doesn't say they, them, you know, it just says she, so, you know, do whatever you like, you know, but so, yeah, that's the kind of humor we have. And like, yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, 
I think I think it probably is a common theme. Like the the elder activists, you know, we're, we're pretty blessed in Cardiff to have fairly good intergenerational kind of ties, and we work quite closely together. And it's similar with them, you know, like the, it. They they always seem to have had a moment where they realised, you know, during the eighties and nineties that the the state was just not because you kind of grow up and you think like you're told that you know the police are there to help you, and really, if anything really bad happened, the government would would you know they'd have a secret plan to save the day. <laughs> and like growing up and going through like obviously the COVID pandemic kind of proved to everyone that like no, they don't like they really <laughs> don't have any plans. Um, so that really spurred us to kind of create support networks for ourselves. Mm. Um, so bless it. I don't want to say bless in disguise because it was also horrendous, but um, it definitely was the catalyst for a lot of change, like locally, um, which is which is great. I think I, I'm glad mm. to see it, but it's, it's unfortunate that it took us, you know, a worldwide pandemic for us to, you know, get to that point. I, I think, sadly, unfortunately, it took a like a worldwide pandemic for a lot of things to start happening. I know, <laughs> I know. God, so many things. It's just, yeah. There's one of the big things for us was um, dis- disability accessibility because basically every single one of us um, is disabled in transit Camry. Um, mm. Shash uses a wheelchair. I use a stick. You know, we're all physically disabled. So, you know. That was one of the things that was kind of baked into our stuff from the beginning. I think originally we had Zoom meetups. So yeah, one of the things that was like positive obviously came from the pandemic was suddenly everyone could do online stuff. Everyone could work from home, you know. Um, And I know that for us as disabled people as well, that was really frustrating because, um, for example, I was at university at the time like I chose the absolute worst year possible to go and do my master's and you know at the beginning of my degree I think it was it would have been September 2019 I started and you know I was disabled really struggling to get around campus um and it was really really difficult and I was told you know that's you know it's tough you need to come into the library physically block whatever and then suddenly you know when the pandemic happened oh there were all these possibilities suddenly <laughs> and so it was frustrating but also kind of um, vindicated you know that, that people are finally starting to think about accessibility um, yeah I, I mean there's, there's a few things that I think have been good I mean like even like even like the not serious stuff like it's gotten us to think about how like disgusting some things we do are like I don't know if you've seen that that one like viral post that was like can can we now appreciate how disgusting bowling is like sticking your <laughs> fingers into those balls not knowing who is you know and it's like stuff like that thank god we finally woke up to that because oh um but it, yeah there's all kinds of stuff that that I think it's forced us to rethink and reassess um and I think as well uh it's it's kind of made visible somehow like how badly the queer community was actually struggling because I think Mm. everyone because everyone was at home like online I think well first of all a lot of people came out because they had time to kind of sit and think about themselves and also I think a lot of people spent that time you know really thinking about inequality and injustice and and, you know it was obviously a time of great change Mm. you know barely mentioned you know the huge black lives matter movements and everything else it was just it was just a really it was a weird time it was a really weird time everyone was just so cooped up yeah um it was in a way like it's i think it was a catalyst for a lot of change and a lot of like 
it, it sparked off a lot of really good activists, like a lot of really good activists, like were kind of radicalized, I think, by the pandemic. It, yeah, yeah, the, it really was a weird time. <laughs> Everyone was talking about Tiger King and no one knew what was going on. There's, there's some stuff that um you were saying that I, I, like, I'm thinking about. So like, I always found it interesting that like, basically everyone was forced to go into like an office space. If the people, people forced to go into a workplace in which they could actually operate from online. And all ages kind of, I think like the pandemic showed that it's not like we shouldn't, everyone doesn't need to be forced to go into an office five days a week and it's actually unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I think like a lot more places are doing like a kind of like a couple of days from home, you know, sort of balance. And I think that's been a shift. Um, I agree with you. I think a lot more people, because um, the pandemic kind of forced all of us to look inward, whether we liked it or not, <laughs> like our deepest, yeah. darkest issues that yeah. were probably distracting ourselves with like, you know, life and daily life. <laughs> kind of, we're forced to just sit there and be like, I have problems and I need to work on them. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think I, I, I did see a shift of like, I felt like a lot more people, well, I, one thing I noticed on the dating apps, I feel like there was a lot more, um people that were I guess questioning their sexuality or like people that were curious and stuff like that maybe feeling more comfortable and stuff like that or like wanting to explore because um I think there was also this thing of like kind of life and death it's like we life is short and we could die at any point and this virus could get us there was that um yeah there was the viral post about bullying I didn't see but one thing that resonated with me was there was one on um can we talk about how disgusting um blowing out birthday candles are? Oh <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That one stuck with me. Oh my but, god, yeah. I hadn't actually well, thought of that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up on a tangent. So um I mean you've talked about being in um Cardiff. Um are there um any other parts of Wales that you work in? So um we mostly work in Cardiff. We are really trying to like expand because it's very little. A lot of Wales is obviously quite rural and it's it's really difficult up up in the north, especially. But we are like having our first event in Newport uh, in a couple of weeks, I think. So Ooh. it's just trying to find it's difficult because obviously like because all the organisers are in Cardiff, although we do have someone who's up in Aber, uh, Aberystwyth. Um, I forget that not everyone outside of Wales knows what I mean by Aber, because there's like six different Abers, but the, the Aber is Aberystwyth. Um, yeah, so we've got one person from Aberystwyth. Most of us are in like Cardiff and the surrounding areas. And the last thing we want to do is kind of like go up to like the north and be like, right, we're here, we're in charge we know what you you know it doesn't feel right to us to kind of just go up there and kind of start taking charge of everything so what we've been trying to do is kind of reach out to people who are already working up there already organizing up there and try and give them some resources and Mm -hmm. some support um because like yeah we could we could bust well actually it'd be very difficult for us to bust it up there because transport links are awful but if you know it wouldn't be right i don't think for us to kind of come up like none of us have lived in rural Wales we don't know what it's like mm. and just start bossing people around and I don't think the same things that work in Cardiff would necessarily work so we're really trying to reach out to other like Welsh organisers and support them really like I think we're we're hoping to like financially support meetups and stuff um so it's, it is tricky because like even like I've been meeting with HIV organisations like who are trying to set up networks and um it's tough like it's really difficult because there's so little like I think one of the things I was actually thinking about the other day was that 
in order for queer community to thrive very often we need a space to meet in mm. you know because if you have nowhere to meet then you don't really make friends or connections and then it's really difficult to like build um and I think that's one of the big things with North Wales is that they're severely lacking queer spaces mm-hmm. and so that's kind of why our um our approach is to support meetups because I mean Transit Camera was born from a small meetup group in Cardiff you know that's kind of how we were able to get to know each other and trust each other and develop and if we can like set I think our goal for this year next year is kind of try and put meetup groups you know all over wherever they wanted um but it, it is tricky because obviously everyone is so burnt out and <laughs> exhausted so trying to find someone who's willing to take it on you know after after I say at there, it sounds like there is space, but it kind of feels that way sometimes. It's like mm. it's there's a massive gulf between the north and the south in Wales. Um, and we do support people from North Wales, like we don't have like any kind of but the support we provide to people from North Wales is obviously online. Um, we have supported people from West Wales, North Wales, but we can't be there in person really. It's not possible. Um, so it's just trying to figure out how we can support them from a distance. Um part of that has been kind of getting organizations that aren't necessarily trans but like stuff like victim support up there is pretty good like you know like it's just trying to figure out where to refer people for support Mm. um so yeah it's yeah i think wales is one of those things where i think scotland probably is a similar thing where everything always happens in the cities and unfortunately that means that the people out in the sticks are kind of left to know nothing I, I spoke to someone actually working in like um, a rural part of Scotland and actually I can tell you that it's very similar. Um, but kind of uh, yeah. what you were saying was making me think of, you know, the I guess the, the difficulties or the challenges of like, I guess, having this organisation during COVID. So I guess during like the height of COVID, like what were some of the, the issues that you faced as an organisation? To be honest, one of the biggest ones was the sheer volume of need um, yeah. because it was it was horrendous like everyone was getting covid everyone was ill unable to work or their work had been cancelled it was just we literally at the beginning i think it's three or four people and we were getting like a lot of people like coming to us i think we i think in the first three months i think if i remember rightly i think we shifted like four grand like from allies to people we wow. gave it all out like it was all it was all given out because it was just that it was awful it was so bad um i mean uh, employment rates are pretty bad anyway in wales for trans people but it just got so much worse yeah. um i think the one we obviously then we we had like a network at that point of like 50 to 70 people and i could have named like three of them that were in stable full-time employment it was just i cannot stress like it was so bad um so that was i think the biggest challenge is trying to meet everyone's needs um and at the same time um one of the other things we had was that the gender clinic here just opened like not that long before i think it opened in I think they opened in October, November 2019. So it is very new. And so we also had a lot of people very confused and worried about the gender clinic because it was like this big unknown. And and that just made everything even worse because everyone was just so anxious about everything. And and the morale was so low because obviously all the nightlife had gone. And it was, I think, yeah, the two main challenges, I think, was just keeping up with need and keeping everyone's spirits up. Um, It was just horrendous. How did you manage to navigate the need? 
great difficulty let me tell you um, <laughs> uh a lot of stress i think you know um i don't know we just kind of honestly it's a bit of a blur um i think yeah there were three or four of us and i and my paypal actually got shut down because i was shifted too much money through it i think they thought i was like money laundering <laughs> <laughs> um so then we had to switch it up um and we got like a more stable um we use like this really cool website called open collective which is like completely transparent and people can pay into it and then they can see what we're paying out and and so we started using that which was a lot easier because then people could apply for grants through that so we didn't have to like manually you know here you go here's 50 pounds or whatever um i don't know we just sort of put our heads down and did it i think it helped that like we were all disabled so we didn't have jobs um so obviously we didn't have to worry about that we could just kind of give most of our time to sorting people out and mm-hmm. yeah I think there was I don't, honestly like I say it's blurred. <laughs> like it was it was such a you know we all basically we were all on call 24 7 for the first six months you know and we I think in the first six months as well we had a case of a young trans girl got kicked out the week of Christmas week I think it was um of her, of her home and she had nowhere to go we had to kind of help her that was like our first like holy shit this this is real like this is real life and death like someone's life is being upended kind of stuff and but it was I don't know we just kind of powered through it and we had so little support from like the mainstream LGBT organizations um so it was just I don't know we just did it we had to do it so we did I I don't really know if we had any like strategies we just sort of put our heads down and gone with it and answered a lot a lot a lot a lot lot of emails and just did our best and you know supported each other as well it was it was just um like I said it's a bit of a blur it was a really difficult time um it's 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 really inspiring to hear like how it was firsthand and um like it's it's so commendable that um you and um, all the people you were working with worked so hard tirelessly to make sure that everyone got the you know the care and support that they needed yeah I mean honestly like I can't I can't really honestly say that we definitely gave everyone exactly what they needed because we just didn't have the resources but we kind of just everyone kind of understood though that we were just like four disabled like clowns like trying to juggle a million balls trying to do our best <laughs> and everyone was very like I, I don't know we had we had a lot of grace extended to us by the community as well and we really appreciated that and uh, the allies as well really came through like keeping the money coming um I think that mutual, because as well mutual aid had such a, a boom you know during those that first year of the pandemic and people were really keen and they were kind of understanding for the first time that like they uh, the money they don't need could be could make such a big difference, mm-hmm. and so it was just it was beautiful. And, and it's still whenever I think about it, I still get very kind of overwhelmed because like we're funded like almost all by like working class people who are giving like five pound a month. You know, like the vast vast majority of our money comes from just people like that who can. <laughs> You know they can't afford to give loads, but they give they give like five pound a month, and then but that adds up, you know, and and that means that we're able to continue. And now we've been going on, I think it's two years next week that we've been doing this, and it's just yeah, the solidarity has just been really inspiring, and that's been what's kind of kept us going. Mm. Um, it's just it it was really hard those first six months, and I think we didn't really have a break for the first year because it was so intense and so. The, the, the situation was so desperate that we just didn't we just powered through um 
and we just yeah we and then I think in the set this second year it's been more difficult it weirdly I think we flagged quite a lot um because it, it's been tricky because the first the first six months we were just like we were very focused you know heads down supporting trans people but then when people started to learn about us it was stuff like you know um like that first I think the February 2021 after we'd set up it was LGBT history Month, and all the local you know corporates wanted us to come in and talk to them and and it was just so like we were just like oh my god what are we we're, we're not like you know we're, we're, shash luckily has had media training i th- i had media training a long time ago but like we're not you know we're not charity workers or anything we're, we are just random people who sort of fell into it um so that was it was weird and so it, it's been this second year we've been trying to find the balance between like doing the stuff that that non-trans people want us to do you know like doing interviews for the press and like you know podcasts no no, I'm joking not this this has been really nice but like (laughs) like stuff like stuff like you know going into the council and explaining why they should care about trans homelessness and stuff like that you know it's very demoralizing so we've been trying to find that balance between doing the like the raising awareness activism work versus the on the ground supporting Mm. people activism um, okay. um so you, it's been tricky would you say things have like i guess calmed down a little bit since those first six months in the- um oh yeah i mean it's it's become easier because our team has gotten a little bigger um we have all developed coping strategies to kind of cope with the stress luckily um <laughs> we are all very we're all very attuned to each other now uh, we know when someone is getting burnt out so we kind of are like right okay you go off for two weeks and we'll put this but the way we kind of work is that we're, we're trying to make sure that if one person goes it won't all fall apart so mm-hmm. everyone kind of doubles up um so so yeah it, it's got easier in a way but it's also gotten worse because it's it's, <laughs> it's just been so continuous like we have not had a break and the last few months with the cost of living crisis it's gotten quite bad again mm. um we we've had to raise we've had to double our grants because it's just not cutting it you know we were giving out 30 pounds per grant for like a standard but now we're giving out 60 because of the rise in electricity bills 30 pounds is not it's not even going to touch the electricity bills you know so yeah we've had to double them and it's that's obviously a big strain on our uh on our resources but we do, we have been lucky that we have managed to accumulate some savings because for the for the first sort of six months uh, well the first well between six and 12 months i think like we were getting more money than we were able to give out because it just it really went out of control for a while uh in a good way and so we've got these savings fall back on and we make it we're we're bringing in less now because we're not pushing for like we're not on social media asking for people to donate all the time because we're too busy to be honest. So, <laughs> so social media is, I try and run the Instagram and let me tell you, it's so, it's the worst, like it's so constant. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of trying to balance because what we want to do really, if it was up to us, we just spend all our time like doing the emails, doing the grants, but there's so much other stuff that comes from an organization like this. And none of us really want to do it. So we're all just kind of like <laughs> jostling for the, you know, oh, you know, it's your turn to do emails this week. Or, you know, oh, you know, Rudy, you're the one with the Instagram login. So you're going to, so it's all very <laughs> like give and take. Um, yeah. It sounds like basically it started off as one thing. And yeah. then um, the need and the demand, um, I guess, um, 
guess you know being affected by the cost of living it's like expanded what people actually need and um, i guess how you provide it so it seems like the organization is growing as well because more and more people are joining but it just seems like it's a continuous thing you know yeah and that's not necessarily on purpose you know um (laughs) i i was blessed to have lisa power as a mentor for a scheme Mm. i did recently um love lisa Oh, she's an absolute icon we love her and I one of the things I really wanted to learn from her is like how the hell have you done this for 30 years because I'm on two <laughs> and I am dying like I am I am I'm ready to give up at least so it's like right okay here's the thing there's one of two things either you have to have a partner that does not care about any of it and, it, and just like when you go home your partner's like I don't care I don't want to hear about it or you have like a really weird side project that takes your mind off it and, and that you know so what Lisa did was she weirdly was the manager for Spike from Buffy for like years and like when she wanted to get away from the activism she'd just be like right okay I'm gonna go to some conferences with with Spike from Buffy now instead so that's kind of we've we've okay. really taken that lesson on you know it, it it's I, I it's like one of those things I think we have so much to learn from like the people who've done this for all these years and and we especially have been really like listening to people like Lisa because we want to be here you know in 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 the years to come but it is we're not bringing people in quick enough to mm. keep up with the demand so it's just we're just trying to cling on and, and we're trying to like keep those lessons you know from previous decades in mind and and so we're, we're all trying to find this weird thing that we can we can do outside of work so that we're so we don't completely crack up um so yeah mine has been going to theater and like re- doing like reviews of of theater for the lo- a local queer magazine which has been really fun um hmm. that's that's actually like really good advice <laughs> she has so many wild stories like if you spend an afternoon with lisa power it, you just you come away knowing knowing so much and just laughing so much. I was I had a really amazing experience with her uh, recently. You know, Queer Britain just opened in London mm-hmm. first. You know, I was so lucky because I was in London the weekend it opened, and obviously so was Lisa. And I mentioned to her that I was going to go, and she was like, "Oh, you should come like for the pre-opening thing." You know, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So she not only had me and my friend Krista in to kind of see it before it opened, but she like took us around and was like telling us the stories of all the people and the photographs. And I honestly would tre- will treasure that because mm. it was it was really funny because she had like the inside gossip about who was beefing with who. And like, <laughs> but also it was so it was so useful for me to like remember that like these people who are in these pictures were like oh my god this person like changed everything like they were just people as well who had no idea what the hell was going on mm. and it makes us feel a lot better because we have this ongoing thing in our group that everyone is like I'm not doing enough like you know everything is bad and I'm not doing enough and I'm, I'm literally I take the little face hands and I'm like we all think the same thing like you think <laughs> I'm doing lots I'm not doing anything the majority of my time I'm on Fortnite. I'm not doing that much like and so it's it's this thing that all activists have I think where you 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 look at other activists and, you, and all you see is like the polished work at the end and you think oh my god I'm like I'm not helping I'm not doing anything but yeah. you really are like I, and if you're doing anything to support the LGBT community you are like so important and you, and, and you are very valued even if you don't think you're doing that much you know it's 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 like some weird imposter syndrome that I think we all have yeah. um trust me um I can relate 
I can really yeah. relate to that. I think it's a, it's an activist thing to feel like no matter yeah. how hard you are working, that it's not enough or that yeah. you're not enough. Yeah, I can relate to that. You know, I kind of always say the same thing. It's like, you know, Marsha P. Johnson thought the exact same thing. And like, she's Marsha P. Johnson. Like, she, she was, <laughs> you know, like we everyone thinks that. And I'm not saying that, you know, but yeah, it. I think when you're up against something so massive like we are right now, um, of course, we're going to feel very small. And But I think that there's so much, there's so much amazing stuff going on, I think, at the moment. Um, I always say like people are like oh you know transphobia is worse it's been in you know decades or whatever and like it just feels so big and I'm like yeah but think about how much resistance there is now like there's so much resistance to transphobia more than mm-hmm. we've ever seen and there are so many amazing organizations doing amazing things and they are like they are scared of us <laughs> like and our power um, and they should be you know I, I think one of the things that we kind of um, relish in is making because civil servants kind of come to us thinking that we're going to be all like oh you know falling over them and stuff and we're not we're not bothered and then we're just like right are you going to help us we're like would you like to send us money and they're like well uh we can we can retweet you on twitter and it's just like <laughs> we don't want your retweets my love we want the money please um uh, if you could spend like 80 grand on pride cabria i think you could spare a couple of thousand for us you know um yeah. so but no like it's it's very much like because we give out money that no one wants to fund us um there are very few organizations that will fund that kind of thing so like i said it's all community funded and i think in a way i kind of prefer it because then we're not like bound by any you know restrictions on what we can say and how we can say it um which is the other which is the biggest reason why we never really got charity status Mm. um yeah it's it's tricky in Wales it because um, we are lucky in a sense because it's quite easy to get in a room with Welsh government, you know, but they, it's just, it's a whole other, it's obviously like a whole other thing. It's, they don't pay for consultation from queer people, from people of colour, like any equality stuff. What they do is they get activists in who are like really good at what they do. And then they like take they're like oh you know but we're gonna listen and that's you know that we should be grateful for them just listening and so they don't pay um so what ends up happening is like at one point I was doing like two days consultancy a month free for them and meanwhile I was struggling to pay my bills because I'm disabled and I said to them you know I'm not I'm not willing to do because it was high quality consultancy you know what I mean like if it was anything else they'd be paying like hundreds of pounds um they did the LGBT action plan and like me and other activists similar to me who are grassroots did most of the work on it we gave them all the ideas for the policies although they watered them all down to make them less helpful and um and, and none of us saw a penny and and then Welsh government and everyone was like, "Oh my God, Welsh government! They're so like, you know, they're so good. Like, how did they know all this?" And it's like because we told them and we didn't get anybody or credit. Um, so it's it, it's a very different, um, I think, thing to Westminster because obviously, getting in a room with Boris and Co is basic. Like, you, it's never going to happen ever. Mm. And you can get in a room <clears throat> with like Mark Drakeford, who's the leader of Wales, um, his like right hand man, and his you know, he's not there, but 
the people around him are and mm. and you could talk to them but it's like it's such a in a way i think it, it could be potentially more frustrating because they're right there and you're telling them but then they're like you know like for example um it's a real issue in south wales is police the police are horrendous like so bad they they are recognized you know as one of the worst police forces in the country they're just oh so i can't stress enough um, and we spoke to Welsh government specifically about that, about how, you know, so many people had been mistreated and like hurt, including, you know, trans people. And 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 their response was to make like a, a, a hate crime campaign, like a hate crime post campaign, which it was like, oh, talk to the police if you've been hate crime. And we we're all just like, what if the police are hate crimeers? So like, what happens then? <laughs> like, but they were just like, oh, we, uh, what was that? Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, next campaign. And it's just, uh, oh, it's so frustrating because you are literally there telling them what the issue is. And they're just like putting their fingers in their ears and pretending that it doesn't exist. We had to, me and Shash bullied them for like a week to like, record in the meetings minutes that we'd mentioned institutional racism in the police like they would not even mention that we talked about it and we bullied them until they did we even then it was like um attendees uh, talked about their perception of police brutality and institutional racism and we were just like it was then that i was like i'm not doing this for free anymore like i'm not <laughs> it's just, well yeah welsh welsh politics and the welsh activism sphere is just nightmare nightmare fuel honestly Sorry to hear that. Um, yeah. I've got um, my final question. Um, I feel like um, every guest dreads this question, but um, my last question is, um, what advice would you give to other queer people to stay resilient? Um, one of the things I didn't really mention earlier was that we run meetups twice a month in Cardiff. And like I said, we're trying to do some in Newport as well. And that is what keeps us sustained because there is absolutely nothing like being in a room in a community centre full of queer people who you know that you you can you can so we have people like bringing outfits so they wouldn't be able to wear outside and like change it into them and then it's just it's it's just it's so joyful and even when things are really bad like I don't know what it is about queer people but it's just it's just beautiful like there's always so there's always some there's just the vibes are always immaculate you know it's just great everyone's laughing everyone's chatting no one is kind of left out you know if so if there's someone sitting by themselves they're kind of you know people go up to them and and it's just that is what keep, personally that's what keeps me resilient um it's like remembering who you're doing it for i suppose and seeing the magic of like even even a small thing like hiring a community center like the massive impact it can have and like and like kind of trying to honor your contribution as like valid and real and effective you know because i think like i said earlier like a lot of us feel like we're not doing enough but like even even if you're just like reaching out to a friend like you're making a difference and like we we, we can't topple the government by ourselves but we can like make someone's life better we can make our little part of the world a little bit better and like that's kind of what i try and focus on is like what my actions again are net positive you know what I mean it's not it's not making the world worse so I'm just doing what I can and, and just when I do feel very burnt out I just go back to community like make sure I'm attending the meetups and and talking to people and just reveling in the kind of joy that we can have when we're not you know under threat basically um so yeah it 
I can't stress enough, like if you're lucky enough to live near a community, you know, an LGBT community, then then go. And if you're not, then like reach out to online ones. There's a lot of obviously like Facebook groups and stuff and see if you could do some Zoom meetups because they're really nice too. Although, you know, Zoom is kind of old news now, I think. Just try and try and be with other queer people, I think, mm. is is my biggest is my biggest advice. I agree. Um Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. But yeah, I really appreciate you being part of this. Um, yeah, thank you. It's been pretty nice. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, it's been a, lo- a lovely first podcast experience. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.